BS Free Witchcraft is a production of the Nerd and Tie Podcast Network. Nerd and Tie produces podcasts ranging from actual play to true crime, and you can find more at nerdandtie.com or join our Discord by going to nerdandtie.com slash Discord. To the other kids at St. Bernard Academy, they were the girls who didn't belong. Whatever you do, stay away from them. Why? They're witches. But after years of being on the outside... Why'd you lie about me? I don't want to go out with you again. Please, stop begging. It's pathetic. Four girls are about to discover the dark side. You ever heard of invoking the spirit? Black magic. We can make things happen. I mean, this is it. This is real. Columbia Pictures welcomes you to the witching hour. Welcome to BS Free Witchcraft, your monthly guide to the modern witchcraft movement, minus a lot of the, you know, usual BS. I'm your host, Trey Dorn, and what you just heard there was part of the uh, the trailer to 1996's The Craft. The Craft is a... There's a generation of witches where The Craft is a very important film, and we're going to be talking about that movie today, because... It's it's a bigger deal than a lot of people realize, except for the people who do realize it. Which, but, but before we get to that, and this is going to be a long episode, folks, before we get to that, a little bit of housekeeping. Um, every July, I like to do a feedback episode and where I answer questions from you, the listeners. And if you want to get your email into me. If you want to get your your, your questions in, uh, there is a deadline, and that is um, July 15th. July 15th of uh, the 2020, which is when this episode is from. This episode is the June 2020 episode for people who listen to these, and you can disregard this in the distant future, I guess. But if you want to send something in, go to bsforwitchcraft.com and click on the contact form and uh, fill that out. And I read everything that gets sent in there, and uh, I will get to your message. And I guess that's that's the housekeeping we need to do for this episode before we move into what is a lengthy discussion of the movie The Craft. And joining me this episode is the host of Hex Positive and the author of Grove Daughter Witchery, Brina Garen. Good morning. How are you? And and today we get to talk about the craft today. Oh boy, yeah. I've been looking forward to this. This is this is going to be so good. So, so my great shame as uh, a thirty-nine-year-old when we're recording this uh, Wiccan is that I had actually never seen the craft. Mm-hmm. It's I have I have to admit when you told me that I. I, I sat back and laughed like a it's, little harder than I probably should have but, just because, you know, we, we both came up in that time and, you know, you're in the Wiccan community. And that was like, I oh, thought that was like required. Oh, viewing. I want to tell you something. <laughs> I want to tell you something. Just because I hadn't seen the movie didn't mean I didn't have strong opinions on the movie for like <laughs> a decade. 
Like it, it took me forever to soften. Like, so, so the problem, oh God, it's where to even start the craft. Like we cannot, we cannot like understate the importance of this movie in the modern witchcraft movement. And I feel like it's silly to say like this, this random like teenage horror movie for it's kind of horror. It's, it's not scary. Um, this, this teenage film from the nineties was this massive influence, but Oh my God, it was. And I will tell oh, yeah. you researching this episode, like reopens so many memories because people are still arguing about this movie on like witchcraft communities today. They are mm-hmm. still like, there are people who get really mad if like you even point out that people got into witchcraft because of this movie. And I'm going to, I'm going to tell you like to, for some context of the reason why I never saw this movie and the reason, but I had strong opinions is because when this movie came out in 1996, I was already kind of in my year of study. So I was already like, I was, I would call myself a, for those of you who, who don't know much about uh, Wicca, um, uh, to become a Wiccan, you're supposed to do a year of study before you either are initiated or self-dedicate. Um, just to make sure that, A, because in theory, if you're a initiated Wiccan, you should be able to talk about it with some authority, so you should learn what it is. You know, it, it doesn't mean you're not a witch during that first year. If you're doing witchcraft, you're a witch. But specifically but so that meant though like i was like entrenched in this stuff and the wick the the witchcraft community the neo-pagan reaction to this movie was so extreme (laughs) because uh because so many um people like got interested in witchcraft because of it and there was a massive backlash um, in the witchcraft community because all of these young women were trying to come in and so everyone automatically you had to have an opinion on this film if you were in witchcraft and it was the 90s like you Absolutely. had to have an opinion like you could get away without having an opinion on practical magic when that came out but everyone had an opinion on the craft oh yeah um, I remember those days i was not actually studying at the time but i was extremely interested um i actually got in uh just a few years later uh when i was in college in the early 2000s um but yeah that was like the craft was like the gateway drug for witchcraft um i mean charmed and practical magic they were out around the same time they were in there too they were generating interest but they were like firmly in that kind of rom-com chick flick category so the the witchy girls from my day at least in my area so, i'll say they they wanted to be edgy yeah so there there was a whole thing in my high school actually and and later at college where uh girls who looked goth or acted spooky or were even tangentially into witchy stuff were called crafters and (laughs) among them among themselves it was like sort of a funny nudge but the rest of us were like yeah yeah 
So, so we should probably at least, uh, so the, the craft of the film, like to actually like say what the movie is, uh, for those yes. of you who aren't aware, is it's a 1996 movie directed by Andrew Fleming, and it's uh, it's about uh, the main character Sarah has recently moved to Los Angeles and goes to a private school, and she ends up meeting these three other girls, um, uh, Rochelle, Bonnie, and Nancy, who Nancy's kind of the leader, who who are uh, effectively trying to become witches, and Sarah has apparently this innate psychic talent, and with them they kind of you know do some witchcraft and uh stuff goes weird and then sarah decides she wants to leave their group and then nancy decides to kill her and uh you know fun um that's that's kind of the the shorthand but i think actually an easier way to describe this film is threefold the movie <laughs> you're not wrong it's, it's so if you haven't seen the movie The Craft, um, it's not. I'm gonna say this as a person who hated on this movie for years. It's actually not terrible. It's actually really fun, um, and you shouldn't hate this movie for the reasons that I hated it for years. Uh, but it's I right now I watched it um, on. It's currently as we record this available to watch for free on Tubi. T U B I. Um, with commercials, uh, but it's it's free to watch on on that streaming service in June of 2020. I don't know where that's going to be going forward. Like literally, while researching this episode, it moved free streaming services on me. So Ooh. I watched it once on the Roku channel, and then the second time on Tubi. Um, <laughs> so you should. We will absolutely be spoiling this film. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, it's it's over 20 years old at this point, so... But you can go see it for free right now. So if... Go pause the episode, go watch The Craft if you haven't seen it, then come back to the episode. <laughs> or watch it again if, you saw, if you've seen it before, yeah. just for a refresher, because it's fun. Yeah, it's... This is so... I, I think the... Like, for me, the weird... Th the reason why I hated this movie for so long was the reason why... And, and you've... People who've listened to the show and my my witchcraft on television episode know that I still have some like annoyances with the fact that real witchcraft is never represented in television and film, almost never. I think some people like emailed me a couple of examples of side characters, but like when the only examples of a quote unquote realistic witch on television are the roommate from Felicity, like it's not a long list. Yeah, and so. It always still bothers me when um, the trappings of real witchcraft get dragged into um, kind of fantasy because it, it clouds certain things. And this this film is so guilty of it <laughs> on so many levels. Um, the, the film had a consultant, uh, Pat Devon, who she's a Dianic witch. Um... <laughs> who uh, consulted on the film and a lot of the um, a lot of the rituals in this movie are literally straight out of Wicca 101 books like calling the watchtowers like it's which is not as complicated as they make it out to be right no it's <laughs> literally, literally like you can find this in every 90s Wicca book 
but mm-hmm. they li- they specifically made sure that they were adhering to Wicca in all of the rituals, but without any of the 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 faith components. And so it's like, and again, I if if you want to do witchcraft in a movie, like I I'll tell you, I watched the new Charmed. I, I'm I'm a big fan of the new Charmed. I love Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. When you don't present it as Wicca, it doesn't bother me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's if if you want to call your fantasy witchcraft, like just do it. And obviously, there's a lot of witchcraft that isn't Wicca. But when it gets into like the specifics, where you're literally using like actual rituals, but then you just swap out the god and goddess for Manon. Oh, I have opinions about so, that. So the reason, and I'll, I'll tell you, the the re there is. It's it's not a crazy reason that they went with Manon while still having witchcraft consultants. That was actually Pat Devins, the Wiccan consultant's idea. Really? And the reason why is that she thought it would be too dangerous for them to use a real god because people might accidentally start calling on, like, teenagers imitating the film might start calling on a real power where if they called upon a made-up deity that they created for the movie because they made it up it wouldn't do anything which again kind of goes against certain metaphysical theories about like the what deities actually are so i mean like in theory actually if people started faithfully like there's there's an argument um based on yeah there's there's such a thing as an egregore you know but that that is dependent on the metaphysical model you're doing i have i have a feeling pat devon's a literalist um what boggles me just a little, um, especially with this movie coming out, like just when the whole sort of rediscovering the goddess thing was was getting started in the late '90s, and having um, a Dianic witch as your consultant, and considering the movie sort of seemed to want to portray a sort of like young rebellious feminist vibe with the main characters. Um, but they chose to have a male presenting deity instead of invoking uh, a goddess or making up a goddess. Um, part of me wonders if that's like some sort of late 90s pop psychological choice on the part of the writers, but it always struck me as just a little bit odd. Well, I, th- I think it's specifically because... Pat, Pat, I, so this is theory. I don't have any confirmation of this. This is just my speculation. But Pat Devon, I mean, being a Dianic where everything, where they effectively eschew the god in their practice by making right. a masculine deity wouldn't accidentally call on some aspect of the goddess. Mm-hmm. And so I think that point of view bleeds in there. Um, but that's, well, yeah. that's speculation on my part. I have no, like, I don't have a source for that. <laughs> Okay. Well, it was a it was a big thing in psychology then yeah. to be like you know oh the the problem of literally any kid is that they don't have a good father figure. Yeah. And of all the girls in the movie, Sarah's the only one that has a an actual present father. I mean, Nancy has a stepdad, but he's kind of a pos. Yeah. Well, we only so. see the full home lives of Nancy and Sarah. It's right. Uh, Bonnie, we see her mom taking her to mm-hmm. doctor's appointments, but I don't think we ever have any information about whether or not um, Bonnie's father exists in any direction. No. And I don't think we see Rochelle's parents at all. 
We do not. No, it's it, like really okay. So so Nancy and Sarah are fully developed characters. Um, yes, but Bonnie and Rochelle are not remotely. It's Bonnie's entire character is has scars, and mm-hmm. Rochelle's entire character is is black. Yeah, that's. And they never really go any deeper into, like, why they're there or what happened to them in the past that, you know, got them to where they are. They never explain, you know, why in this ostensibly kind of exclusive Catholic high school, uh, Rochelle is the only black student. Well, Um, they they don't... uh, (laughs) Well, there's... as a person who grew up in a school where I like literally grew up a block and a half from the city of Milwaukee in a public school, there were very few black people. Well, yeah, um, this this so, seems but, like this it's a, a the more like it's a sign up school. The it's it's a parochial school. It's it's a Catholic yes. school. Like it's literally there's a nun teaching. It's and if it's it, and most of the people going there seem to have money. Which actually yes. makes some more question of how is Nancy affording to go there. Like, there's no exploration of a scholarship or anything. She doesn't seem particularly studious. And yeah. She, so, and why does Bonnie have scars? Well, yeah, that's the whole thing is there's no... We don't get a backstory on Bonnie having scars. And mm-hmm. But I think that, like... Like, I understand why there's not a lot of development for Bonnie and Rochelle. It's because it's a film. And in the 90s, we actually made films a reasonable length. <laughs> um, I will say that, like, to a degree, I kind of understood that three, the, the, the initial dynamic between the three, because um, as Sarah joins um, the group that already exists with Nancy, Bonnie, and Rochelle, Nancy is, I have seen a lot of real world groups that actually aren't that different in their toxicity and kind of structure where you get one kind of damaged but charismatic person kind of leading in charge, you know, and kind of the Nancy figure that um, other people who aren't necessarily as um, independent or as emotionally developed latch onto. But so I, I get the dynamic and actually like for a good chunk of the film, I think that there's one of the reasons why this film resonated is because like the high schoolers, largely act like high schoolers yeah and i was i was actually impressed like for the 90s none of the four main characters look like they're 30 and that was the whole thing back then it was you know you you cast people in their mid to late 20s to play teenagers i mean um and fun fact actually scream came out that same year which nev campbell was also in and like all of the teenagers were played by people who looked like they were approaching 30. I mean, it's, I mean, let's, I mean, Robin Tunney was born in 1972. They shot this movie in 1995. She was definitely not a teenager. Yeah. They made this film. It's fun fact. It's a fun thing to watch during this whole movie is look how bad Robin Tunney's wig is. Oh my God. Yes. Fresh off of empire records where she had a shaved head. And there's this one scene in which she has to, like, I think it's when she tells Chris to fuck off or she tells him to fuck you. She turns, she spins around and her hair kind of flies up and you can see the different layers of the hair from the wig. 
Oh no! <laughs> like it just my brain. The first time I watched, it, I was like, "That's a wig," and like I was like, "That is so clearly a wig. That is that is the the most wiggiest wig I have ever seen." <laughs> like and it's I've, a '90s wig. Like Weesh. I have I have seen better Arta wigs, and those are not expensive. Oof! Burn. I am not burning Arta wigs. Arta wigs are great. But oh no! Designed... Burn on the the craft yeah, wig. <laughs> they are, but they are designed for cosplay, and <laughs> like no one, very few people buy an Arda. Like you don't buy a bright blue Arda wig because you want to convince people it's your real real hair. Um, sure. It's, I mean, as a person who owns several Arda wigs, it's, <laughs> it, it's, I don't know. It like my. My com- like I have complaints about the film, obviously. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Sarah's casual dismissal of Chris's attempt to rape her is kind of yeah. Uh, like I get that he's under a love spell, but um, that just like that doesn't make someone do that step. Like that already has to be in him. Yeah, I mean at least they showed some sort of like mild trauma like when she runs away and she shows up at Rochelle's house she she looks yeah. shook yeah she looks rattled she does. yeah she doesn't just you know kind of run away and go oh yeah this happened there's at least a reaction and I'm sure like if if it had happened earlier in the movie there would have been more fallout from it more reaction to it um but I mean as, as much as I'm, like, not entirely endorsing, shall we say, the way that Nancy went about uh, getting him back for it, um, I completely support her decision to do so. Yeah. Uh, that's... Well... Even, even though she was going bonkers at the time, it's like, that's what a good friend does. I you go of, and you heck up his life. I sort of, I sort of agree with you, but I also think that, like, I mean, and, and this again is Nancy's kind of going nuts at this point. But I feel like the, yes. the screeners also, though, kind of played with still Nancy being jealous. Too oh much yeah, in that scene, and it, it like that. I, you know, it didn't. It, it, it I can justify it as like character wise but it's still mm-hmm. not great it's like there's there's lots of stuff though that also doesn't really get handled well in the film like um sarah's mental illness yeah that it's like, like we alluded know alluded to we know about a suicide really attempt and we know it was a serious suicide attempt because as they even quote in the movie say she did it the right way um mm-hmm. which actually kind of appreciated that Nancy, in her attempt to make it look like she was killing herself, did it the wrong way. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I actually kind of liked it because, of course, she'd be that dumb. Um, mm-hmm. But, like... but And also, like, the, the homeless guy feels like he's going to be more important. Like, yeah, and then he just gets run over. And he's sort of, like, saying, like, like even if, if, even if he had, like... If he had given some plot pressing details as right before he got run over, it would feel more earned. Like, because it is weird that this same homeless guy would be at her house, but then also at a random other part of Los Angeles. Yeah. Not sure, like, how far apart those places are 
they seem to walk a lot of places. But yeah, I'm not sure if you can do that in LA. I I have well, no they, idea they of take... like what the city structure is, but. Uh, we, I think it's safe to assume they're taking the bus between spots some of the time because they do take the bus out to the, you know, further location. So true. Oh, and I love that line. We are the weirdos, Everybody, Mister. Oh, it's, love it. That is going in the the, the 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 shot from that's going in the thumbnail. Are you kidding me? Girls, watch out for those weirdos. <laughs> we are the weirdos, Mister. Um, that is, <laughs> but I think that's I think that's one. Like I, I talk about, like I criticize this film and like. But that is why this film resonated, because mm-hmm. it resonated with an entire generation of outcast people who felt weird, and um, yeah, young women especially, uh, really latched on to. And I like it cannot be understated. Like it's there was. Um, let me see if I can find my source. So there's a there's this uh, there, there's a research paper done in the early two thousands. Mass Media and Religious Identity, a case study of young witches that was uh, written by um, Helen A. Berger and Douglas Ezzy. And they interviewed about 90 people, um, men and women ages 17 to 23, uh, 30 each within the U.S., England, and Australia. And I think I think about um, a third of those were, were um, I'm going to say assigned male at birth because I don't know their methodology well enough based on the fact that this was the early 2000s um (laughs) but like a huge proportion of them and this is actually one of my favorite things about this study is that a huge number of them cited like how uh seeing themselves represented in visual media was uh, a huge part of what got them into witchcraft and many cited the craft as um as one of the things that they had seen that was being influential, but a large number of them also did the backpedal. Oh, I loved the crap I saw, it. but it, you know, no, my religion wasn't really based on, like I didn't become a Wiccan because of the, the craft, even though I saw that first and I just said it was heavily influential on my life. Like, oh it's... yeah. Cause if you, if you told people, like you said, in the community that you got into it because of the craft, oof, yikes. Yeah, no. It's, yeah, there, there, there would be some discussion. Like it's, and the craft, like the craft, was riding a wave, like in the sense that, like, witchcraft books were um, suddenly more available to a lot of people in the, in the early and mid '90s because of uh, big box retailers started carrying some witchcraft books, mm-hmm. and um, obviously there was like getting more and more media attention, um, but the craft, like. I think a big deal about the craft is that witches are both the protagonist and antagonist in this movie. Like, yes. you're rooting, like, it starts out with, you know, there's no direct antagonist. There's not, there are, anta- there are minor antagonists, but there's no central antagonist to turning one of the co-protagonists into the antagonist. And... It's, but it's, you're still rooting for a witch at the end of the movie. Like, it's, Sarah is still a witch. And, you know, we always, like, and and the shop owner is always portrayed in a positive light. Like, it's not, it's never like, there's never that twist that the shop owner was evil the whole time. Like, yeah. So, I do blame this movie for popularizing the idea of quote unquote natural witches. 
Um. <laughs> there, there's that's another thing I I have but. opinions about is in, and especially when you know you get to that end point and she's in the shop with Lirio, who I always just adored as a character. I'm like, where was this when I was coming up? Where you know <laughs> where where was my Lirio? I want to talk to someone like that. She seems nice, but um. You know, she says, you hear the voice of your mother. She's telling you to be strong. She was a witch, too, you know. It's, it's Wait, what? Like, why would you know that? You never yeah. met her mother. And then, it, if of course, it leads into... I think that actually uh, led into some of the sort of hereditary witch claims that we started seeing. Or well, I guess well, maybe no, not no, started that's... seeing, but that, that were prevalent among newer witches around the same time. Like, I, you know, I don't oh, know. That's that's been a thing since well, Alexander yeah, just... went and said, My grandma taught me. Why did I give him like Oh a yeah, but this was like, accent. you know, I haven't so I haven't Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, I have this unknown ancestor uh that, you know, was secretly a witch, uh, or whatever. And just uh it yeah. was and just the idea that you know, it can be passed down unknowing and then it manifests. That's something they play with in Charmed, too. And Yeah, it's it's a major... <sighs> it's... Yeah, it... Like... It's... That's a... That's a major... Major... Major thing, though. But that, that's that been around for a lot of, like, witch fiction and, you know... Oh, yeah. I mean, Gardner was passing down the bullshit about, you know, ancient traditions at the start. Uh, the modern witchcraft movement. Everyone had a dead grandma. Everyone had a dead grandma. Remember, uh, lady, uh, the the the, uh, the author of that long read poem, which is partially to blame for the threefold law getting folded into everything. Um, you don't say. Yeah, uh, always claimed that her grandmother, either her grandmother or great aunt, I forget which, uh, wrote the poem, not her, even though said person died before the foundation of Wicca or the creation of the phrase and it harmed none do as you will. So, you know, it's everybody had like, it's the, 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 the hereditary claims and fictions. Like I feel more that that was, uh, more in the script because that was already a thing. Like the film may have, like people may have gotten it through the game of telephone through the movie, but I, I, I just don't feel like it made it any worse. <laughs> well, yeah, I suppose so. I suppose you're right. Um, I just, I had never encountered that concept before seeing the movie. So I guess maybe it just called my attention to something that was already there. Um, I'll, I'll go ahead and make the confession. <sighs> Hi, my name is Bree. And one of the things that first interested me in witchcraft seriously was this movie. <laughs> uh it was formative but not like the tipping point but it, it was one of the things that was like oh wait this is actually a thing that's cool yeah. let me look into it well and you know like if i will say if teenage me saw this movie because you know as a person who's a teenager in the 90s i would have hated this movie for the exact reasons that i hated it not seeing it it's mm -hmm. i i used to be kind of a dick i need to like <clears throat> fully own up and confess that I was a gatekeeping elitist dick 20 years ago. <laughs> like, it's... I 
became a very different person in regards to my witchcraft in my early 20s versus who I was as a teenager, mostly as I began to expose myself more to uh, people who disagreed with me and um, no meeting witches who came up watching the craft and loved it. <laughs> and suddenly you're the only person in the room. Like I, I was used to being like the person in the room who, where everyone disliked it. And then suddenly you're, you're a person in the room full of witches and everybody loves the movie. Oh yeah. And you're just like, Oh, maybe I respect these people in the room with me. Maybe I'm the asshole. Crap. Yeah. I should reevaluate how I'm looking at things and media regarding this. Like, that's the same reason why I went back and watched the entirety of Charmed. Uh, still don't like it. <laughs> but I'm, I'm just impressed you went reasons, back and watched the whole thing. I, that's I watched that can be a tough series to get I, through. And I will tell you, you don't even have the how soon is now covered by Love Spit Love when you watch it on streaming. So yeah, here's oh, another thing is no. if you want to know how influential this movie is, it's that there's a cover of, of of the Smiths How Soon Is Now by the band Love Spit Love that was recorded for the craft. Mm-hmm. It is it is in the trailer for the craft and it's in it's in the movie. Um and it it it, it was the charmed theme. It, yeah. it charmed used it. The reason it's not on streaming is because the contracts for that theme didn't include later distribution because, you know, Charm started in the late 90s and uh, they didn't think to ink that into contracts. You'll find a number of shows uh, the like with changed soundtracks because of that when they get later released on streaming. Mm-hmm. Um, What's funny is the song isn't even over... Uh, a scene of anything particularly witchy it's it's literally no, it's, like you know the dude uh chris at football practice yeah, no, it's football that's practice. it but it's in the trailer i think the reason why it latched on was because of uh, it was in the trailer oh yeah and it's catchy as hell i love that song yeah, i i genuinely like the love spit love version better than the original it's a Same. better recording of the song I know some some Morrissey fan is going to come for me for that. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, gonna... you know, part of it is nostalgia. It's like, oh, this was connected with the cool thing, and so. Well, yeah. but also, like, as a person who does like who writes music myself, and like, you know, the original song, it's a good song, but it's a tighter recording. I'll give you that. It's. And, I'll definitely give you that. And also, they they shifted the beat slightly. It's there's, I have I have very detailed thoughts that could be their own episode if I was doing a music podcast, but this isn't that. So, uh, <laughs> and I'll say the craft soundtrack is actually really great. You got letters to Cleo on there. You got oh yeah, most but love. It's like this this is like from an era like this is from that weird era where before they stopped having the soundtrack songs in the movie 
it's so they had to always like if they wanted to put it on the soundtrack album, they had to actually put it in the film. Like this is right before yes. that changed. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like I'm looking at you, Batman and Robin soundtrack. Um, <laughs> oh man, I remember at here. Here's my moment of shame. I actually really loved that movie because I didn't know any better. I went out and bought the CD, an actual physical CD, thinking, oh, you know, the music from this, that, and the other thing is going to be on it. And it wasn't. And I I was mad. I own it. And that was back when they cost like 25 bucks. I also own that CD. (laughs) Uh, I I feel less It was the only way to get that version of Foolish Games if you already owned the Jules Pieces of You. Because everybody owned Jules Pieces of You because it was the 90s. Oh, yeah. You literally, I will tell you, like, there was a point in my early in my early 20s where I was um, between paychecks and just slightly under making the rent, so I sold a bunch of my CDs. No one would take Jules Pieces of You. <laughs> no CD store, no UCD store would buy that, and they would just go, look at all these copies we have. Yep. We can't, we're not going to sell it. And so, yeah, it's... I still own it somewhere in a box in a closet. Same with the Batman and Robin soundtrack. Um, (laughs) Well, then I was also a Smashing Pumpkins fan, and that was on there too. You know, before Billy Corgan became terrible. Um, (laughs) I mean, he was probably a bad person the whole time, but we just didn't know because you know Twitter didn't exist. It's Mm. there you go. But to get back to the craft. Yes. This is going to be a long episode. <laughs> um, people who always bug me to do longer episodes. Well, this is what happens when you get a longer episode. Um, but so, like, it's to to get back to the the point, though, that uh, that that Love's Been Love song, because it was in the craft trailer, they used it as the charmed theme. Yes. Um, because, again, while witchcraft was growing, the craft blew it up on levels that, like, it's so hard to, like even understand like the witchcraft boom of the 90s was it started on its own but this was really a triggering point this was this this was such a huge explosion on the market to to the point that again people are still writing articles about this and um you know are still people did academic studies <laughs> Like, specifically about this. It's it's just, it's remarkable. You, you know, there really is. But of course, you know, the remake started shooting in October of last year. <gasps> Ooh, I'm, I'm excited for that. Which, uh, it's, I'm, I am both, I am, my opinion. You sound conflicted. Let's explore that. Oh, I want to see it. I want to see it. I don't know if it's a necessary film. Because first off, actually, watching The Craft, like, again, I had I had avoided this movie intentionally. Like, I've seen Practical Magic. I like Practical Magic. I have complaints about Practical Magic. That'll be a different episode. Um, the next time <laughs> I do three really dark episodes in a row. Uh, <laughs> but, like... 
the 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 craft actually ages really well. Like to a point, as a yeah, film, it does. Like there's problematic stuff in there. Like don't get me wrong, but actually, like I mean, I feel like, and maybe I can't speak for black people, obviously as a white person and like we're recording this we're recording this in early june of 2020 so look at a history book if you're listening to this later um (laughs) but i feel like i knew racists in high school okay i was not friends with them but i knew them and i feel like the racism isn't quite accurately portrayed for 90s high school racism like is that a weird criticism uh like no i i don't think it is i i think you're absolutely right it's it's very sort of light and i mean i don't want to like downplay anyone's experience i'm sure that you know what Rochelle went through was something that lots and lots of people have gone through. It was just, I don't know. There, there was something very plastic but it's, about it. It's also Almost, like the phrases she used, like the, yeah, very the, sort of dated. Like, but also like they didn't, they weren't the way that like teenage girls don't talk that way. What rich white teenage girls in the 90s who were racist which there were plenty of them don't get me wrong again i've met some of these people it's didn't use like i feel like the language was poorly researched i feel like they're well and it it is it is a fact that the the character wasn't written as black in the initial script and they tacked on the racism plot uh when they cast that part so that's just some that's that is a thing (laughs) jeez i actually um i i feel for uh for rachel true the uh the the actress who who played rochelle uh she got shut out of like award shows and you know panels and things that had to do with the craft like they they won an award i believe for the movie and like the other three girls were called up on stage to get it and she just was like somewhere way back in the audience and wasn't with them like they've been called to do panels for things and you she'll be conveniently left off the guest list she's she's talked about it a number of times and it's just like why well we we know why yeah, we, we know it's why. bullshit but yeah. it's you know we know why um and it's like no that's 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 not right. I mean, she was she was right there in it. She's an integral part of the movie. I yeah. love her character, and yeah. just it's it's really obnoxious. Yeah, it's but it, the world sucks. <laughs> the world is terrible, and the world um, is terrible. I think that it's well. The problem is my the real problem that I have with the and I not the real the real problem I, I i should have in the real world is the treatment of, of rachel Tr- but the problem i have in the film yeah. the problem i have with the film is that christine taylor's character um uh laura is either it's it, the problem is that she's either 
she needs to be more racist if she's going to use that kind of like the the specific wording she uses which i don't necessarily like want to repeat the no. phrase words and phrases she uses are either like they're not they're either they're too strong for the amount of racism she shows or she's not showing enough racism to be the kind of person who uses them that makes sense i guess um like it could also be that there was like there were other scenes they meant to put in that got cut well but since they added the racism true i think true. it's just a matter of uh i think it's a matter of uh screenwriters who don't know how to accurately depict racists outside of cartoons not examining their own racism most likely but mm, you know shocking hey oh <laughs> hot take here uh <laughs> racism is bad this was a mediocre portrayal of it probably because the writers had never experienced it themselves yeah yeah just so, just speculating but it's 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 such a this this film has had such a weird echo and i think it had it had such a life on vhs and dvd um in part so here's my favorite thing um this wait 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 does does this count as an actual cult classic well or I is it, it an or I is it an it occult did, classic I think, I, <laughs> but it also did financially well enough when it came out that it wouldn't be that would actually just be considered a hit um, oh i know i just wanted to make the pun because <laughs> It made like three times its budget back at the box office. Uh, right. Yeah, it's, um, but it's the fact that it's, it was rated R. This movie's rated R, and I think a lot of people forget that. And it's this film should not have been rated R. I it I'm surprised by that. It's what about this film is rated R? The witchcraft. I'm not kidding. Oh, for heaven's um, sake. It is rated R for some terror and violence and brief language. But, but lang oh, there isn't even that much it's, swearing in the movie. There's not. Um, it, it's they specifically made this movie to be PG-13 because they knew it would resonate with a teenage audience. They wanted teenagers to see this film when they made this movie. But um and actually, like, you go into other countries, and it's, like, it's, well, depending on which Canadian province it is, some ones it's rated, like, M, you know, rated R, and some it's rated 13+. plus. Um, it was, in the Netherlands, originally rated as, like, 16, and then re-rated later at, at their 12 rating. <clears throat> because it's... This movie was made to be a PG-13 movie, but got an R rating because, and for reasons n most people think it has to do with the witchcraft, There, it has been revealed, if you watch, there's a documentary about the rating system, which I cannot remember what it's titled, but it's a fascinating thing because the MPAA keeps their raters secret, or at least has for a long time. I don't know if that's changed, but at least as of when the documentary was made, and definitely during the 90s. Um, they, they kept who their ratings board were a secret because they're meant to be like average people. But some of the people on the rating board, um, at least at the time, like at least 10 years ago were, um, there were, they had, there was clergy. Oh, geez. 
So the theory is is that um, the theory is is that uh, um, is that it was because of uh, the witchcraft, purely because oh, of the witchcraft. This movie was rated R, most likely purely because of the witchcraft scene. So, if you are a parent who has not seen the craft, although honestly, if you are a parent of some, if you are old enough to be someone's parent who's a teenager looking into witch, like watch movies. You, and you're listening to this podcast, you've already seen the craft. But if you haven't, if you are some weirdo like me who made it to their late 30s without ever seeing this film, it it really should be rated PG-13. So if you're okay with your kids seeing a PG-13 movie, it's fine. Um, yeah. like it's There's no nudity in this. There's no swearing. Re- like, uh, there's mi- like the language is pretty mild by modern standards incredibly incredibly mild like it the language is barely pg-13 like you could probably get away with it on weeknight television now yeah oh yeah absolutely it's this is but again we are talking it's the mid-90s we're at the late stages of the satanic panic we Mm -hmm. are It is a witchcraft movie, which the protagonist is also a witch. Like... Yeah, and witches in a Catholic school, no less. I know. Oh, oh. so... Oh, actually, in the, in the 90s, that would have been really, really controversial. Well, you know what? Like, the Catholic school part, the school being Catholic, like, I barely even noticed the first time I watched it. It's the inclusion of a school uniform is the only oh point. yes i mean i i went to public school my entire school career but i look at their uniforms and even just the way that uh that nancy's wearing her uniform in their like little introductory scene i'm like that is so many demerits. How did they even? <laughs> and then later on, when they accessorize and like wear regular shirts and stuff with their with their their uh, their uniform skirts or whatever, I'm like, even on a dress down day, they would have been like in detention. Parents would have been called. How are they getting away with wearing lipstick? It it boggles me, but that's Hollywood. I mean, I figured the writer was a dude and the director was a dude. Yeah, there you go. And and I don't know if you've noticed this, but um, there are a lot of gross men in Hollywood. <gasps> no. No, yeah, no. Shocking, right? Shocking. Right? Like, <laughs> who would have thought? Oh, especially in the 90s, because they, they were still keeping that, that nonsense under wraps that no one was talking about it yet. But just, bleh. Yeah, no, that was a. Actually, considering that, maybe it was sort of a blessing that they weren't having teenagers playing teenagers, considering the crap that was going on. Yeah, it still is going on. Gross. I will say, like, so, and this is like a complete. Like, I feel like I should have organized my discussion thoughts better, but I didn't. (laughs) And so, this is the episode y'all are getting, and I love you for listening. Um. I think actually the problem that bothered me with like with Bonnie this is the thing that bothered me with Bonnie is the comment on how like 
Uh, Sarah comments on her being getting so shallow now that her scars are gone. Uh, but like, I feel like there's not enough establishment for that line. Like that, that like you could have just not even mentioned that. Like, because like we don't have that with Ro like Rochelle's stuff. Like, she just feels kind of bad because she's ruined because their spells ruined, you know, um, the the racist's life. Uh, but, well, I mean... I mean, but, like, you know, just... But, like... But there's no real, like, personality problems for Rochelle. Like, so it's like... So Nancy's becoming shallow now that her scars are gone. Not Nancy, Bonnie. Words. Right. This is my brain. <laughs> Don't at me. Um, like, Bonnie becoming shallow like why is hey I feel like it's an okay mix up because at one time Sarah calls Bonnie Nancy um, in the introductions in the beginning so it's a callback not a mistake um, we'll, we'll just call it that but it's I feel like it's like it's such a weird because it's not established enough like you literally could have just not had Sarah say that line you know what I mean? Like, if Sarah had just yeah. not called her out, because the only thing they do to establish that is that Bonnie checks out a guy's ass in an earlier scene. Yeah, that's it. And I mean, I yeah. I probably would have, like, been reveling in, you know, new confidence and everything, too, if I was in her position. And, right. and yeah, I'd flirt with a stranger because of it, more than likely. It but just, also, that, that seems like she's more confident and maybe you could argue more sexually aggressive, but that doesn't make a person more shallow. Like, oh, she God, hasn't, yeah. like, she didn't, like... Also, we don't know that she wasn't that shallow before. <laughs> like, there's nothing to... Like, she felt embarrassed and sad, but it's not like we saw her making deep, critical insights about strangers based on, like... That's true. Like, we have no signs of her having any depth before that point. And we have no signs that she has lost that depth at that point. It's just a line that's, like, meant to be, like, the girls are getting worse. But you can see that they're, like, more kind of, like, they're already kind of in a drunken thrall. Like, it's already being shown. You don't need to tell. Like, yeah. that they're, that they are kind of, you know, intoxicated on the the high of, of the, their magic usage. And, like the the scene with the stoplights like gives you that as they don't even notice the danger they're in while they're like goofing around in the backseat. Yeah. I actually really liked um sort of the uh the symbolism in that scene. I know that that's a thing that that you know most people just hate to look for in in movies and literature, but I really liked that. It's that they're getting all these red lights and Nancy ostensibly uh, keeps changing them to green. And then uh, Sarah says one of these times it's not going to be green. Yeah. It's like, I, I really enjoyed that. It's like, you're getting all these danger signals and you're ignoring them and pushing through them. And yeah, no, that's, that's yeah. Good. Just the, the writer in me really likes it. It's I, 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 I think that there's like some solid stuff there. I do think that this is really like I said it before at the beginning. This is threefold the movie. This is yeah. the threefold law in movie form, which mm -hmm. the threefold law 
by the way, um, is a later tack-on to Wicca. And while a lot of Wiccans believe in it, a lot of us don't. Because it's, it, it's a misinterpretation of a... Like, if you look at where it came from, like, and, and this is to, like, there's a, there's a lovely episode about Hex, uh, on, of Hex Positive, episode three, where uh, Bree talks about this. So, and... I believe there's a lovely episode of BS Free Witchcraft that talks about it as well. Yeah, but they should listen to that before <laughs> they get to this episode. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> listen to my episodes whatever order you want. Um, but, uh, <sighs> Uh, but yes, it it really is the threefold law, the movie. Yeah, and it's I I hate uncritically parroting that, and it's but also like this goes back to the whole idea that like okay, so I I'm not a person who believes in the threefold law. I'm not, um, because it doesn't make sense when you look at the way that like so. Like the reed and it harm none do as you will. That is not handed down from a higher power. Like that is a like the Wiccan reed was written by like it came out of it came out of Gardner. Like he made some quotes that uh, Doreen Valiente crafted down to a nice pithy phrase. Um, so I mean, like it it but it came from people. Like and it, it's not a divine. Like, it's not a divine instruction. It's not even divine advice. It is literally other witches. It's it's literally other witches saying, you know, don't hurt other people. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's down to a very narrow number of witches yeah. making an interpretation of things that Gardner and Valiente said yeah. and put forth. It is, We're looking at you, Buckland. The, but, so the Wiccan read is literally advice from another Wiccan. Mm -hmm. The threefold law claims to, you know, be this universal, like, the, the reed doesn't say the universe works like this. The reed says, hey, if you're going to be a Wiccan, you should do this as being part of being a Wiccan. Like, it does, it's like, it's not an instruction. It is a moral code for a, for a group of people a self-chosen moral code. Mm -hmm. The the threefold law, if you that is supposed to be this entire metaphysical construct that permeates all of reality and existed before Wicca did, if you believe in it like it's like the level of it, it's it's an entire it's 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 a metaphysical construct based on a misinterpretation of a piece of fiction. Yep. That that's not. I'm pretty sure that's not how this works. Pretty um, sure that's not how it works either. I yeah. mean, I, and... I guess you could justify in a metaphysical model where if you, as a person practicing witchcraft who believes in the threefold law, would then build into your own practice that your own magic would cause threefold upon yourself. That actually does make sense, but you're doing it to yourself. Yeah. Insert mm -hmm. the gif. <laughs> um, yeah. And I mean, even in in uh, in the movie when Lirio, uh, the shop owner, when she when she talks about um, their interpretation of the threefold law, she, all she says is, you know, well then understand this: whatever you give out, you get back times three. And it's like, first of all, no. 
But also, and, it doesn't make sense. And also, she, she also, just... She also, in another part of the movie, says magic is neither good nor bad. Yeah. Ugh. And it's 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 all about what's in the heart of the witch. And it's like, I get it. And also, it, it could be seen sort of as an indictment of the mentality of teenage girls and like how, uh, you know, when, when we were younger, we were all, you know, impetuous and dumb and hot-headed. And that's just... That's just a part of, you know, learning and, and, I mean, and growing up. At I some point, I you're going to do something mention, dumb, but still. I did mention I was an elitist dick as a teenager. Like, <laughs> Yeah, but it, it's like... I hit it well. A lot of people didn't know I was, but I was. <laughs> uh, Maybe I didn't hide it so well. I should go ask I high think, school friends. <laughs> I, I think there's also, like... I, I think... Lirio had been seeing Nancy and Co. coming in for ages. She knew they were like wholesale stealing her stuff. She probably had some inkling that they weren't acting responsibly, or at the very least that they were like likely to get in over their heads because of their behavior. Because you know, teenagers. That is and, not a good way to run a business, though. If you've got three people yeah. you see on the regular shoplifting from you, like yeah. and and magic's real. Yeah, it's like can't, if if magic is that real and that like visibly prevalent in whatever in that world, um, you'd think she'd be able to do something about it or at least like bar them from the store. Right, like at, at least like bind them from being able to come into her place of business. Like I'm not talking yeah. about like even if you play by like the like you know you don't want to again like the anti hexing and anti baneful magic stuff um mm -hmm. i'm stealing baneful magic from you um it's i'm taking it please do please uh, do it's a useful <laughs> phrase yeah it's like it's even if like you're anti-cursing and all that stuff like you know you can still protect the space from shoplifting because clearly magic is real right like Clearly, I would think that any self-respecting witchy shop owner in that particular iteration of the universe would like have anti-shoplifting charms on their shop. Right, because clearly uh, she doesn't have a lot of customers, so she needs to make mm -hmm. that margin on every item. <laughs> like, yes. Because and looking we, at the shop, we... it's like there's not a lot in there. There's like a few tables of like some candles and herbs. And like a smattering of books, I didn't see um, I've been like jewelry I've... or expensive accoutrements. How is this woman staying in business? And I've I've been in witch shops like that; they all went out of business. Um, <clears throat> but also, like it's like there are like there are never any other customers. Yeah, like she's always there. Like every time we go in there, the the character, you know, whether it be Sarah on her own or all of them, like, there's never anyone else in the store. They, like, there never happens to be another customer walking out, like... Mm-hmm. It's... And don't... Do you also get the feeling that Lirio, like, lives above the shop? Well, she has to if her ritual space is in there. Yeah. And she's also, also like, there in the middle of the night when Sarah shows up. Also, if when she When she freaks yeah. out at the end. Yeah, and if you're going to have, like, a private ritual space, put a door with a lock on it mm -hmm. so customers don't oh, accidentally walk in there. And also, that's a blacklight party. Um, <laughs> yes. 
90s aesthetic production design. Uh, um, I'm like, this doesn't match what we've seen of Lirio. Like, <laughs> so we had this room no. and I'm just like, this... Uh, and maybe, like, it's... I was like, this feels like... Th her outfit is wrong for this room. Like, I have met yes. witches who would have a ritual space like that, and I have met witches who would dress like Lirio. I, the people who dress, no, this does not match. This is, this yes, is drapey like, sleeves and dozens of candles do not mix. Well, and you know, um, you know, Pat Devon was not the only witch on set for this movie mm -hmm. because, um, and I'm going to mispronounce her name so badly because I've never tried to say it out loud. Uh, Fer Feruza Balk, who plays Nancy. Mm -hmm. You can pronounce. Please correct me on my pronunciation of her name. It, it, um, it's close enough. I yeah. think it's Feruza. Feruza. Okay. It's, yeah. I've just never tried to say it out loud. I realized just as I was about to say it. Um, yeah, it's, it's a very unique name. I I don't know like but, yeah. where it comes from, but it's it's kind of cool. She she is a practicing witch. At least she was in the nineties. I don't believe that anyone's bothered to ask her in an interview since then. Um, True. Although she, uh, from from what I understand, she got into it after doing this movie. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, she'd been, if you read her bio stuff, she'd been interested in it before, but then also really right. got into it during this movie. Um, that, if I was imagining a ritual space, like, her, I would imagine, like, if I saw the ritual space, I'd imagine a witch who looked like Nancy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, kind of. We do get to see Nancy's working space, which is it basically looks like a vanity that's uh, that's just covered with uh, with pictures and clippings and just candles everywhere. She has a really small little working space because her, her family's got like yeah. basically a trailer. Um, I felt like that 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 ritual space looks pretty accurate. Yeah. For, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's maybe the candles are a little too expensive. Uh, <laughs> maybe it, it a lot of it looked like you know kind of found stuff right. and yeah maybe some of the right, stuff but, is but, expensive but, but obviously they're yeah. stealing it so right yeah that's true they, yeah, yeah. Man, yeah she's stealing from the witch shop all the time yeah so of course she has like just nice things she might not witches, afford just a pro tip for witches don't steal your magical supplies from witches because in real life there's gonna that's just a bad idea because I'll tell you, if I was running a witch shop and someone was stealing magical supplies from me, there'd be a little curse on every single one of them. Mm-hmm. And also just, you know, support small businesses. And cleanse your tools. Yes. Oh, my God, yes. Oof. Jeez. Okay. Oh, speaking of, of tools, uh, the ritual on the beach. What did you think of that? Um... It certainly quoted a lot of Witchcraft 101 stuff. <laughs> In fact, maybe I'll play a clip from the movie right now. Mm -hmm. For the listeners, not for us. <laughs> I don't have it queued up. Um, <laughs> That's okay, I can hear it in my head. Hail to the guardians of the watchtowers of the East. The powers of air and invention. Hear me! Us. Hear us. Hail to the guardians of the watchtowers of the south, powers of fire and feeling. Hear us. Hail to the guardians of the watchtowers of the west, 
powers of water and intuition, hear us! Hail to the guardians of the watchtowers of the north by the powers of mother and earth, hear us! Aid us in our magical working on this May's Eve. Serpent of old, ruler of deep, guardian of the bitter sea, show us your glory. Show us your power. We pray of thee. We pray of thee. We invoke thee. Yeah, it's, you know, it's my thoughts with that comes into a lot of the parroting, um, parroting structure of Wicca without actually being Wiccan. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? It's, again, like, that's the part, that's the stuff that bothered me when I was younger. Um, and it still bothers me today. Like, it's, that's, I like, with the remake, that's really what I think is going to be interesting is whether or not they try to like how much of the trappings they decide to keep mm -hmm. and then like do they skew it away from wicca or more towards wicca like that's that's going to be the interesting question because like while while the listeners of the show and like like we're, we're we it's a, i mean obviously you're not a wiccan i'm a wiccan though and like like, listen, so there are many flavors of witch across the modern witchcraft movement. Um, yes. In fact, actually, like, if anything, I'd credit this movie for causing people to be interested in witchcraft who then didn't stick to Wicca because the reaction to people getting into this movie, in try like, there was a general kind of hostility from Wiccans um, after this film, which I think has actually led to more people identifying as witches but not Wiccan afterwards. Um, that's just a random thought. Uh, I did that thing where I started to lose my train of thought because I got sidetracked by another interesting train of thought. Um, let's see if I can move back here. Um, uh, you were you were mentioning you were wondering if they were going to stick closer oh, yeah, no, yeah, to like because to Wicca and the new one because as I was saying, it's um, we the listeners of the show we know the nuances of the witchcraft movement and that Wiccans <laughs> are only a section of it, but I'm pretty one hundred percent certain that Hollywood is not super aware that not all witchcraft is Wicca. Um, it's gotten better with Charmed, like the remake of Charmed, like stripped out like the Wicca stuff versus the original Charmed. Um, mm -hmm. Like, it's so the, the, that's, and listen to my witchcraft on television episode if you want my full opinions on Charmed, because I'm not going to keep talking about that. Uh, but like, so are they going to like, are they going to overcorrect? What direction are they going to try to correct to? Like, are they just going to straight, like, use a bunch of wicked trappings, but just do manon and not, like, go deeper? Or are they going to do something like um, try to make it, like, pure Cardinarian bullshit and, Oof. like... God, or, I hope not. But, I mean, like, or, like, where in the spec... Are they going to go, like... Are they going to do what Charm did and strip out the Wicca references and just make it witchcraft? I mean, I should say that the craft never says the word Wicca, but if you're, like, directly invoking, like, language out of Wiccan rituals that many, a lot was written for Wiccan rituals, like, you're invoking Wicca even if you're not using the name. 
Um, so I want to like that's what I'm I'm really curious about that film when it comes out is whether or not um, whenever it comes out. It's 2020, y'all. Um, <laughs> and it's it. This year has just been a mess. So I mean, who can say? Yeah. Um, it's. But, I mean, at, at least we've seen with like, uh, with like Sabrina that they're at least willing in the film industry now to explore the, uh, the the less than friendly aspects of yeah. it in a storytelling context. So maybe. Sab- Sabrina's interesting. Um, because the comic it's based off is set in the sixties. <laughs> and so though like the 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 occult magic that they're doing in like especially in like the early seat spoilers for Sabrina, um for Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, it's like the that like the occult flavor and the very like more crowley stuff like feels more authentic to sixties witchcraft. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, kind of. And then when they made the series, they wanted to keep it true to the like. Obviously, there are major, there's some major plot point differences between the series and the comic it's based off of. Um, because you know, while the character Sabrina the Teenage Witch has been in comics for a very long time, the series is specifically based off of the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina reboot. Um, mm-hmm. that they they kept that kind of tone of the '60s witchcraft, um, but set it in the modern day. Which actually, like, people were really trying to figure out what year it was in that show when it came out because, like, obviously they they very much tried to keep the '60s aesthetic to like the fashion, the cars, but you know, smartphones show up, and yeah. also there are references to you know even Night of the Living Dead is an early reference in the series, which you know was made in the '70s. So like, what actually what year was Night of the Living Dead made? a good question i don't uh, don't know offhand but that uh, that does raise an interesting question do, uh, do you think that they will try to keep like the 90s witchcraft aesthetic for the new uh, craft <laughs> well i th- oh i really think we're gonna go full witch talk um <laughs> i think there's there's enough like there's enough witch talk out there and witch blur and social media witchcraft that uh you know and people watching harmony nice and that uh oh boy i think we'll i think i think it's gonna skew gothier because um because it's the craft true but there's there's still plenty of of gothy teenage witches it's it's gonna be instagram aesthetic blog stuff oh Um, yeah Probably, actually, if you if you think about it, uh, so many of the gifts. Yes, I say it. Gifts. Um, we say gifts from the craft. The they they show up on like Instagram and Tumblr posts about witchcraft, just as ooh, isn't this pretty? And I'm like, that's from the craft. That's from the craft. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's I just. Oh. <laughs> Uh, I can't help but wonder if they're going to try and like parrot another like actual ritual and cause another storm because you know y- you see wind and stuff in that scene and yeah it's special effects but like the ocean is also going crazy and that wasn't special effects yeah. so it's like um it's 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 what you said it's like you you may not be calling upon it by name but you're still calling upon you know something yeah 
because you're saying the right words. Right. Well, and I mean, at least in my, you know what, though, I will say this, that it depends on, it, in my metaphysical models, and I don't speak for every witch, I don't say, is that I think that the belief in what you're doing is an important factor in whether or not a ritual does something. So if you just say the words to a ritual, but you're not trying to cast it, like, and you don't believe you are casting it, then you're not casting it. You're just saying the words. Agreed. Agreed. Mm-hmm. So which I, uh, which makes one wonder what uh, what Miss Bulk was up to. <laughs> well, but also if like if everyone on set is spooked already, mm-hmm. then that's fueling the energy of the ritual. Just because you only see the actors on screen doesn't mean that if something real was happening, that everyone there wasn't fueling it too. Oh yeah, absolutely. If, mm-hmm. I mean, and also though it's the ocean. It just does. Yeah, stuff. that's like that's true. <laughs> I make no statement. It's I think I honestly think a lot of the stuff oh, with the hype about like oh we're so worried about the magic and the craft was marketing. Um, mm, yeah. Like it's you cannot believe a single story that came out of a movie in the nineties or even now. Like when they talk about like oh we were doing magic and it was so real that like a, f- a bunch of bats flew overhead right as we you know invoked <sighs> the thingamajig like it's I'm, I'm sorry but if you're trying to sell me a product on how realistic the witchcraft is that's the exact story you're going to tell me to try to get me to buy it yeah that's true and and maybe that's just me being like I'm I can be a little bit of a skeptic <laughs> it's I have often described as uh, there are many things that I believe that if someone else told me I wouldn't believe them. Uh, so, like, my own personal experiences where I'm like, I mean, we've, we, like, you were on our last, uh, you know, October episode, the last time we talked about ghost stories on this this podcast. And, mm-hmm. again, I, I have said many, many times that if someone else told me my own stories that I know I experienced, I might not believe them at all. Like, I would, I might go, uh-huh. Like, I wouldn't be rude, but I might go, uh-huh. But, and, and that's my own Not stuff. Nod and smile. <laughs> yeah. Like, so, it's, uh, like, I'm, I take everything with, like, 10 grains of salt. Yeah, like, me too. I'm not gonna, I, like, I know I have a tendency to be skeptical, sometimes even a little bit cynical, but, I don't know, sometimes I just love a good story. <laughs> yeah. It's. So uh, this is this is wound up being a lot longer than I meant to make this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think we should probably wrap this up. Um, Bree. So so the craft. It was a movie. It was a thing. It was massively influential. They're making mm-hmm. a new one. The new one. Here's what's going to happen with the new one. There's going to be a massive backlash from fans of the original craft who think it's not as good. Um, that's what's going to happen. So you're going to get. A whole generation of witches. Oh, this is is my favorite thing. This is what's going to happen. A whole generation of witches who got poo-pooed for liking the craft when they got into it, who are going to poo-poo people for watching the new The Craft because it's not the original. Mm Mm-hmm. This is my call. Witch Blur 2021 or whenever this movie comes out, that's what we're going to see. Oh, yeah. And we're going to start seeing it all over, you know, uh, TikTok as well. 
Oh I, I am there, not. There's going to be a lot to unteach and a lot to unravel. I, I, we're we're going to have to roll up our sleeves. I just have decided that I am too old to ever try TikTok. <laughs> it's, I'm Same. 39. Same. I'm just like, I'm not going to, I don't want to watch it. Like, I get it. Like, I totally 100% get it because I understood mm-hmm. Vine. I understand YouTube. I get it. But I am not going to produce content on this platform. And, um, because honestly, who would who would watch it? I am I am best heard in that scene. Um, <laughs> I would, but my video editing skills are not nearly that good. So yeah, it's. But anyways, also I craft. feel like conversations on witchcraft ought to be longer than ten seconds. Yeah, they so. should. It's TikTok is not a good platform. TikTok is a great platform for funny videos and entertainment it is not a great platform for serious discussions about metaphysics and the ethics of witchcraft that's that's what podcasts are for that's what we're (laughs) for here at the nerd and time network which we should wrap this up so brie why don't you tell folks where they can find you on the internet Oh, boy. Uh, well, as you mentioned, you can find me on the Nerd and Tie podcast network over at Hex Positive. That's nerdandtie.com slash hex. You can also find me on Twitter at at Brie Nickgarren, or you can follow the Hex Positive show Twitter, which is at hex underscore podcast. And uh, we're going to have a bunch of new stuff coming out for the podcast real soon. Uh, you might be hearing some familiar voices and uh, there's there's lots and lots to look forward to. That's exciting. And remember, um, you can follow this show on um, you can follow the show on Twitter at t r a e g o r n. That's me there. You can follow this show on Tumblr at uh, t r a e g o r n dot And remember, you can um, of course always support this show on patreon this show is brought to you by lovely patrons like you without your support we couldn't afford to pay the bills around here at bs free witchcraft Uh, if you become a contributor to our patreon at any tier you get access to episodes like this like early whether it be like a week or a few days depending on when i get the edit done Um, but you always get the episode before everybody else um, whether you're at the $1 tier or one of the high fancy tiers, if you choose to jump in at the $10 tier, you get a witchy shout out every episode. And our current fun sub- supporters at that lever, uh, level are um, Meg Tenhulzen and Bruce Norville. So thank you, Meg and Bruce, for your support of the show. Uh, you help keep the lights on here. Um, If you can't afford to support the show on Patreon, I totally get it. I don't know if you've noticed, but there's a global pandemic, massive unemployment, and riots in the streets. Um, Protests. Protests in the streets. I I, I don't see the word riot as a negative thing. Um, (laughs) Fair. I am very angry. Uh, (laughs) uh, Black Lives Matter. Yes. So, if you can't financially support the show totally get it and there are a lot of good causes out there that might need your money more than my little podcast if you can't support us remember you can always help support the show just by sharing the the podcast link to your friends um sharing our social media oh yeah i forgot to mention you can also follow the show on facebook at facebook.com slash bs free witchcraft um 
share the link to uh, our websites of either bsfreewitchcraft.com or nerdintet.com slash bsfreewitchcraft, either of those. Tell people about it. Uh, tell your friends. Share us on whatever social media platforms you're on and uh, just get the word out about the thing because it's a fun thing and a neat thing. And that is, I guess, I don't think I've forgotten anything. Do you want to say anything else, Bree? Uh, stay safe out there and remember to wash your hands. And so with that, until next time, I will talk to all of Magicians later. <laughs>